0: hello oh, and welcome to pause pop positively pop culture where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt i'm carrie gessner and i'm kw taylor this week is the first of two episodes where we talked to luke elliott and james bailey from the podcast ink to film and we were very excited to have them on
1: yes this was a great conversation So we're here with the hosts of the Ink to Film podcast, Luke Elliott and James Bailey. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I'm going to have you guys kind of introduce yourselves individually. James, do you want to give us a little background of
2: you? Sure. Yeah. Um, James Bailey. I work in the film industry. I work on TV shows and film. We started a podcast together, Luke and I, called Ink to Film. Basically, we cover a book and its adaptation. So we usually spend a, at least one week, maybe two or three on the book, and then we move over to the to the film the following week, and we kind of compare and contrast, and we always kind of try to come from a craft perspective, from the perspective of, of the artist, because these are the things that we're trying to do actively in our lives. I'm a filmmaker. Luke is a writer, and um, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me to come on.
1: Thanks. And Luke, give us a little background on you.
2: Hi. Yeah, I'm Luke Elliott. Thank you for having
3: me on. I am a graduate of Seton Hill's Writing Popular Fiction program, which I know you two are both very familiar with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm a writer uh, and co-host of a podcast, which we just heard about.
0: Awesome. That is what we are too. (laughs) (laughs) Writers and podcast (laughs) (laughs) co-hosts. Yeah, so let's just jump right into why you wanted to start a podcast and whose idea was it and how how did that all come about?
2: I'll let you lead off, Luke. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. We we try. We're trying to remember. It's been a. We started in what August of 2017, or that's when we launched. So we we must have been talking about it a few months before that. I had been trying to start a podcast for a few months. I had been talking with another person about it, and and I think I, t- I mentioned it to you, and you at the same time had another friend who you were talking to about starting a podcast. So we were like, oh, let's share notes. We're both we're both getting into this thing with someone else. And we had different ideas about what we were going to do. And then both of our potential co-hosts kind of decided they weren't into it or, or just faded away. <laughs> and so we were like, well, you know, we're friends. Maybe we should consider doing it with each other. And uh, we started talking about, well, what would that look like? And we realized that our two interests sort of overlap in an interesting way because James is, you know, a filmmaker and studies film and I study stories and writing and we realized that if we were to cover adaptations we could do both and and once we thought of that idea and the idea that like that would be a way for us to continue to learn and and analyze the kinds of things we want to get into that was the idea that stuck with us even though i know we had some a few other silly ones that we kind of kicked back and forth but we kept coming right (laughs) back back around to this one
2: as every i think basic couple of men try to do when they start their <laughs> podcast we we of course like thought of ways to try to thread in alcohol we were like can we put can we make it about scotch or beer or something can we <laughs> yeah. is there something we could do here but I quickly realized that that's like not something we were interested in doing so a couple other details that i can remember is we actually were in the process of playing a dnd campaign and a lot of the people fell off of that. And then we were like, well, our, you know, our Tuesdays are kind of free now. If you want to try to do something <laughs> different, maybe we could roll it, roll this into a podcast. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. And the rest was history.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So this has been about four years or so then, right? Or almost?
3: Yeah. We, we started in August of 2017 and I was looking at it and we've, we've done 183 episodes as wow. of today. Oh, and. Wow that that covers 73 different book to film or book to TV adaptations.
1: Oh my goodness. Wow. Maybe it's hard to know within that, but what was one of your favorites and that may differ between the two of you. Like what's <laughs> one of the best things you've covered that you had the most fun with?
0: I think we both know that it's Shadow and Bone because we <laughs> guessed it on. That was a lot of fun.
2: It was it was definitely a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> It's, this is always so hard for me and, and we're, we're notoriously bad at this, like trying to pick favorites and things. Um, but I went through the the list of episodes that we had. And and for me, it's like, can't specify specific episodes, especially with the, the amount of time that it's been sometimes. But some of the projects that really stood out to me were fairly recently. Everything feels recent to me because these last four years have kind of felt like all it all blurs together at some point. But one of the major ones was Lovecraft Country that we covered probably about a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. And that one was just such a like, I don't know, such a timely story and like getting to read it and having it be its own, this specific snapshot of, you know, deep south, like mixed with with all these Lovecraftian elements was so cool. And then getting the adaptation where it was like really reclaimed by like the black community and and like what that show meant and how cool and crazy that show was. That was one that stands out to me. It, it, we had great conversation about it. It was it was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, we had uh, Remy Nakamura on one of my one of my good friends, who's been a guest for a few different projects, including one that I'll talk about. So one of our frequent authors we touch in on is Stephen King, and I was thinking about it like, what would be my favorite of those? Because I got to talk about King at some point. I think it would be The Shining is the one that really stands out to me. We had on uh, Wendy Wagner, who's uh, one of the one of the editors for Nightmare Magazine, or the managing editor at Nightmare Magazine, and also an author herself, and, and just an awesome person. We had her on and we had Remy on. So we had these great guests. Uh, we talked about the novel over three episodes. And then we did this great deep dive into the film. And, you know, it's so much to
2: talk about with Stanley Kubrick. It was it was just a lot of fun, especially clashing Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick's like, yeah, differing visions and everything like that. Yeah, it's such an infamous story with that one, right?
3: Like how King yeah. hates it. And like, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun to talk about what, yeah. what went on there.
2: And then uh, I did want to shout out the fact that Remy actually returned later on f- to be on Lovecraft Country, our Lovecraft Country episodes with us yeah. about the show.
0: Very cool. We actually covered both of those topics briefly. We don't go as in-depth as you as you guys do. You didn't yeah. do four hour and a half episodes on
3: it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked
1: about each one 15 minutes, if that. Yeah. <laughs> I have
2: I have a, a continuing list of, of just sh- some other ones that are like obvious ones that stood out to me. Yeah. All of our Lord of the Rings coverage... Oh. I, f- I had a ton of fun with it's just like classic fantasy i think it's you know everyone's read it everybody's familiar with it so we had a lot of fun with those and those movies mean so much to me so so getting to cover that in our podcast was just such a such a joy yeah and that was what 12 episodes
3: in total for the yeah. for the three movies <laughs> yeah and another one i'll shout out is our coverage of the godfather mm-hmm. where we were joined by fonda lee uh, author of jade city and other books and she was great she's awesome and she she helped us talk about that one and it was i had never seen the godfather so i was able to go into this like iconic movie completely fresh and it was a lot of fun that was fairly early on in the show and and i look back at that one fondly for sure
2: yeah fun fact about our coverage of the godfather in the godfather part two film episode i that day earlier had had my wisdom teeth removed and continued on with the recording anyway (laughs) so uh if i sound kind of loopy in that one that might be why I'm going to have to go back oh and
0: gosh. listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you're podcasting about books and their adaptations. Did you come into that with a general idea about adaptations? Do you prefer when they're, you know, by the book? Or do you prefer when they're looser? Just what are your thoughts on, on that?
2: So I'd like to jump in here first, because I put my foot in my mouth pretty early on in the in the podcast by saying, basically that like if a filmmaker is smart, they will they will go out of their way to be as faithful as possible to the source material. And I do not agree with that at this point anymore. I think as you get more accustomed to experiencing adaptations, you realize like there's room for both artists and the way that like adaptations can sometimes elevate material. And then of course, there are going to be times where the adaptation doesn't live up to the source material. But just getting to see different artists collaborate in different ways, I think is the joy of adaptation. And I think I like to see people take chances and swing for the fences and change things when, when needed. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but some of the best adaptations of all time change things quite a bit. And uh, that's kind of where I land on it at this point is, is like, it doesn't have to be faithful necessarily, but does it understand what the source material was trying to do? Is it, you know, connecting on the same like spiritual level that the, the messaging was trying to get across with the, with the source material?
3: Yeah. And that's something I've, definitely learned more about as we've covered we, we just touched on this uh, our, our episode that came out today as we're, we're recording this was for no country for old men and it was a situation where you have the coen brothers film adaptation of a cormac mccarthy novel so you have these like powerful artistic visions coming together and it's uh, our favorite adaptations are where that's the case and you have this overlap where there's something about the project that appealed to both sides and then the magic is where you know the the artists come in and do something that really shines in their own medium. There's just things that work better in film. There's things that work better in books, mm-hmm. and so it's really cool to see the way that like a filmmaker could come in and like synthesize something for the form, and you know that always that always elevates in a way that changes it for the medium, but it is not always faithful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is though. Like I, I was thinking about. Silence of the Lambs is an incredibly faithful adaptation in many ways. There's some small changes, but for the most part, it's very, very close. So it's it's there's no real cut and dry rule. Like It can be done many different ways. And it's something that is sort of endlessly fascinating. And I think that's one of the reasons why we can keep coming back and, and looking at, like, how did they do it this time? Because every time is different. And it's always interesting to talk about. And we're never we're never going to run out of them either. There's yep. so many. Adaptations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I can't believe, I've been looking at the list of things coming out this year alone. And I'm like, I know we can't cover we can cover a third of these at most. Maybe it's it's <laughs> it's wild. And like and we don't want to just cover new stuff. We want to cover old stuff, too. So I remember early on in the podcast, we thought we'd run out. <laughs> I kept
2: thinking, like, we're going to run out of stuff. But no, we we will never run out. I remember being precious with the Lord of the Rings specifically and being like, when we're out of Lord of the Rings, we're out of them. Like, what are we going to do? And now there's such a wealth of adaptations. That, uh, and of course, like, such a basic answer to say Lord of the Rings, but yeah. you know, it's it, it, it meant a lot to our podcast. And, and a lot of King is a similar thing. Like, I think a lot of people, King is one of those people that you don't need to mention anymore, but like, it's kind of, we touch in on him pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he's one of those that like our whole podcast could be about him
3: because he's had so many adaptations yeah. done <laughs> and each of them is, you know, varying levels of success and and you know it would be en- endlessly interesting just to talk about that.
1: <laughs> I have a little curveball question that wasn't one that we ran by you earlier but just out of <laughs> curiosity because I feel like so often especially especially if you've re- if you've read the book first even if the film is fine on its own there's still little quibbles that maybe a fan of the book would have about the adaptation. Is there ever and and I'm sure you've got multiple examples of this? But have you ever been really pleasantly surprised that a bad book has been adapted into a really, really good film?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and often it's funny because the way that we tend to find these is that we find out that some really good movie is actually based off of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go, oh, I didn't know that. And then we'll go read the book. And often the reason you don't know that is because the book's not that good. <laughs> and and so it's always interesting to approach it that way or, or or define these examples. And so, like one I can think of is Jaws. Oh. Now, a lot of people do like the Peter Benchley novel, but I found there were certain plot lines in there that were pretty awful, and I was really glad it got changed for this fantastic movie. Um, another one's Die Hard. It's like this famous movie everybody knows. Not a lot of people know it's based off a book. This novel called Nothing Lasts Forever. Roderick Thorpe. Oh, the novel is interesting, but is not very good. <laughs> and uh, you know it was cool to talk about and talk about all the ways that it's different and to see like where that where some of the DNA of what makes up Die Hard comes from mm-hmm. but yeah I mean it, it's hap- I mean can you think of other examples yeah
2: so it's funny because like yes yeah, something like never nothing lasts forever is kind of derivative of that action like super thriller genre like it's already been done a million times and then you see something like Die Hard on screen and it's just, just like this very unique experience another one for me was Red Alert and Dr. Strangelove yeah so Dr. Strangelove took a a pretty by-the-book uh like military drama kind of thing and then turned it into this like satirical Kubrick again turned it into the satirical like farce on military but it's also like such a well-crafted film and yeah Dr. Strangelove is just like one of the like most bitingly funny movies I've ever seen in my life so to take something like that and and to turn it in that way. Yeah, the novel's not funny at all. It's, it's like it's dead not. serious. And oh, it's wow. and it's kind of yeah. boring. Like, it's just yeah. very, I don't know. It's, you've seen it. You've already read it, if you haven't.
1: That's so funny. I didn't know either of those were based on books. That's so, oh, I'm going to have to seek those out just <laughs> for the curiosity factor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you brought up Kubrick a couple times, and I don't really know if this is going to be a fair question, but if you've seen multiple adaptations by the same director or adapter I don't know what it's called the writer who <laughs> the, did, the writer who adapts it yeah the screenwriter thank you <laughs> have you seen their approach to adaptation change over time and the reason I feel like that might not be a fair question is because obviously a lot of times they're pulling from different writers for their source material so maybe that's just going to be different based on who they whose book they're basing it on that was a convoluted question. <laughs> <laughs>
2: James you know Kubrick better than I do so yeah I'll I'll jump in with with Kubrick so he's kind of an interesting case because most of the things that he directed were adaptations but he also like has a very distinct style he has a very like clinical style to filmmaking people will say and it's hard for me to parse between his style and like what he's pulling from the adaptation and and kind of see if he's like approaching them differently because the the project calls for it or if he's approaching them differently because he's like coming into his own as an adapter so i'm not really sure other than him i can't i can't really think of anybody else can you can you think of somebody we've covered luke that that has multiple different projects from the same you know filmmaker? A,
3: a, an interesting one would be eric heiserer right who did uh, yeah, shadow and sure. bone he also did a, the screenplay for arrival now it was a denny villeneuve oh. movie but he adapted the screenplay so That would be an open question, I guess, is like, how did, I mean, very different projects, right? Like this like prestige drama, sci-fi drama film to this Netflix sensation uh, YA adaptation. It almost doesn't feel like the same person is behind it yet. I think a lot of smart decisions were made in the adaptation process both ways. So it's hard for me to like really pin down an evolution between different adapters because we don't revisit the same person enough to probably get a good feel for that but that's something i'll be looking out for in the future especially as we continue to revisit certain people like kubrick which i know we will probably circle back to at some point do like 2001 space odyssey we haven't done yet and certain ones from him we could we could definitely touch that's on. another one
2: that people most people don't know is based off of something but it's not really it's like a novelization or something right luke
3: no i think it's based off an arthur, arthur c clark novel novel i don't know okay. we, well, we, well I have, we haven't covered it yet so i don't know
1: <laughs> actually with that i think the case was i know I, this might be not quite exactly correct but there was something where Clark was writing the ad- the novelization from an s- early screenplay, and it got mm. done and it released before the film was done, and the film ended up undergoing a ton of changes before it was, so they are very different pieces, so I think that would be an interesting one for you guys to cover.
3: Yeah, it's on our list. <laughs>
1: I don't know if Kubrick ever directed something that wasn't an adaptation. Like, I'm, I don't, I can't yeah. even you think of Yeah, you might be one. right about that. It's interesting,
3: yeah. right? Like he 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 is this 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 like towering figure in film, and mm-hmm. he's one of the cases of what we talked about earlier, where it's like he has very strong visions for what he wants to do with his movies, mm-hmm. and he finds these things, and they're very different from one another. You look at the source materials, and you're like, what do these have in common with each other? You know, what does well, the of, like, Shining have in common with this Barry Lyndon? Yeah,
1: Barry Lyndon was based on yeah. uh, 18th century yeah. novel or something it,
2: and think it's so different from something like the shining like exactly very right like genre different like so how does how's he
3: picking these and uh, maybe only he knows you know and he uh, yeah. just finds something in there that overlaps with something he wants to do and and that's what that's where the magic happens
1: even eyes wide shut was based on like a victorian short story which he then transposed the, the... into present day then present day so he's he was free with how he translated those things anyway i could probably we, that go was on the about one, yeah
2: the one question i had was eyes wide shut i was like i don't know if that one was adapted so i'm glad yeah. that you knew it's
1: that. uh arthur schnitzler if i remember correctly <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was very different
3: there was a story for the shining right didn't we talk about it on the our episode where he was like reading novels and his assistant could like hear him throwing them against the wall as soon <laughs> as he figured out he didn't want to cover it he'd hear just a thump and a thump and a thump <laughs> and then after a while he like heard silence. And they like, came in and was like, "What's going on?" And he was reading The Shining, apparently, and like read read it all in one sitting or something. And was like, "This is the one." So I don't know. Maybe that was that was his method. Apparently, just reading them and then throwing them <laughs> against the wall. He didn't well, like. <laughs> there
2: was a documentary that I watched around the around the time that we covered The Shining. That was that, that he he really did feel like it was like uh, there was a, even a quote by him that was like, "Who am I to?" why should I spend all this time trying to write something when someone who's a much better writer than I is going to write it and then I can use my skills to direct it in a certain way. And so I think he was smart in knowing that like these people are able to write these specific stories with such effort that I might not be able to put into it. And then I can create a screenplay based on that and then use my my eye for direction. So really interesting person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you. So one of the things that we do in our podcast as you know is we focus on the positive and we generally don't cover stuff that we don't enjoy or at least or at least we have to enjoy it in a small way even if it's... <laughs> There's been a few times where we we decide we're going to cover something and then halfway through consuming it we realize oh this is not as good as we thought <laughs> one of those being yeah. the Paramount Plus adaptation of The Stand mm. which I did not I don't I didn't even finish it <laughs>
3: Uh, <laughs> oh we, fin- we finished it we had yeah we <laughs> oh had i it. know you did i know you did
1: but yeah so is it ever a case where you you find yourselves not enjoying it to the point where there's i mean do you try to find something good to say about the piece whether you're really not enjoying the book or whether you're really not enjoying the film or a television series have there been some that are just total duds both ways
3: Oh, abs- <laughs> i mean it does happen it's always kind of a shame and like we always feel kind of bad honestly like walking away from an episode where we know that we had to be pretty negative about it yeah it's always tough because that's not that's not what we like to do we like to come on and be excited and and talk about all the things that we loved and talk about you know the how brilliant it was and unfortunately it's just not always the case yeah the stand i think is a good example of that it's a novel by king that i really really like and it was the first time james had ever read it and so I was like getting to share this book that I really like and, and we were getting to explore this this world. And, and we, we just we do this thing sometimes when we cover TV shows where we blend it together and we, we like tackle the like maybe the, the last part of the book and the show at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing a similar thing with The Stand. So I felt bad because it was like now he's starting to mix together his experience of this novel with this subpar show. And, you know, yeah, we try and find good things. Absolutely. We always do. And there are there is things to like in there. But that was a show that especially in like the back half or so, if I'm remembering correctly, it like really went off the rails after kind of starting with some promise. It was unfortunate to see where it went. Yeah. And there was a lot where we we ended up walking away from those episodes, just feeling kind of like, man, it's tough because, you know, people are going to listen. If they're going to go find an episode on a podcast about a show, they -hmm. probably liked it. Mm hmm. And so you know it's tough that you're gonna you're gonna be putting something out there that the people who are gonna listen to it all of them aren't gonna agree with you. Yeah, and you know that's just something that we we encounter every now and then. But we feel like it's important to to stay true to ourselves and like it won't matter if if the next thing we rave about is actually amazing if we talk that way about everything we ever cover. Mm -hmm. If we're if we're unwilling to recognize when things have problems, then I think our credibility as reviewers will start to be in question. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think too you guys are both in creative fields and with anything creative, everything is so subjective. So and sometimes when we do usually each of us have have a topic and then we do a shared topic. And sometimes the shared topic is usually where one of us might be like, oh I really like this and I'll be like, Um, I didn't <laughs> 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 Or vice versa. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's always something good about it. And just because it's not your thing doesn't mean it's bad. I think that's mm-hmm. a distinction that we try to make. Yeah. Even though, hey, I might not have liked this, but I'm not going out there and saying it's the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's bad writing. It's just not my thing.
2: Yeah. So just being somebody who, like, whenever I watch something, I, I to a fault sometimes will give the benefit of the doubt because I want to. I want to like things, and I know how hard it is to get these things made, and I, I do like. I remember saying this a lot on the podcast is like, I, I want to walk away from every project having learned something, whether it's something I didn't like or something I did like and kind of use that going forward and say like, you know, what would I have done differently? And um, the other thing is just like being on a set and knowing like all the variables that come into play to like make something that looks professional and looks like something that you would see on television or in a film it takes an insane amount of effort and insane amount of planning and an insane amount of people all collaborating together so like it's always hard for me to come in and just rip something apart when I know how hard it is to get made and I remember early on in the podcast really feeling like we shouldn't like ever say we didn't like anything we should just find the good things to pull out I remember specifically early on we covered like a wrinkle in time and it's a situation where we weren't the target demographic necessarily for the movie and I I enjoyed this I was able to engage with the story a lot more But I remember going really soft on the on the movie because I was like, we just want to be so positive. And then I remember feeling kind of like we weren't doing our due diligence and saying, like, again, Ava DuVernay, amazing filmmaker and some of the actors in that movie. Incredible. And it looks great on film, which is another thing that, like I said, it's it's really difficult thing to, to pull off. So ultimately, like when when we didn't like it quite as much. And the funny thing is I was actually in Portland with Luke when we when we went to a theater to watch it. So all all of the, the variables were in a good alignment for us to enjoy, to have a good experience. And then we both walked out kind of being like, eh? You know, it wasn't necessarily for us. And, and that was the first time that I realized, like, we kind of have to be pretty true uh, as much as we want to come from, like, a positive perspective as well.
1: Well, and that's something I was going to mention before is that, you know, when you're looking at a piece of literature, film, television, whatever, understanding what its genre is and what its audience is. And I've taught creative writing several times. And when I have students writing stuff that is just not a genre that I would ever read or (laughs) be really that interested in, I try to guide them through, okay, either be as close to the expectations of this genre as you can be. What does your audience want? Give them what they're used to and what they want and be the the best example of that that you can be. Or do kind of not quite the opposite, but subvert it in some way so that it's interesting and maybe breaks through its genre and might even appeal to other audiences. And I think with, with something like the Wr- A Wrinkle in Time, that particular adaptation that was so for, I think, you know, I guess, preteen girls who like fantasy and science fiction. And I mm-hmm. used to be one of those, but I'm not anymore. And I remember, even though I loved the book as a kid, I felt like I kind of agreed that that film was not for me at my current age. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's we said okay. That. Yeah, exactly. We said that a lot in that episode. I remember really leaning heavily on like, it's not for me. I'm sorry. It's not for me. I wish I enjoyed it more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we, we kind of got burned, honestly, because it was like, we
3: got to be careful covering stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we want to touch things that are outside of our, you know, necessarily our wheelhouse. and We want to continue to expand our horizons. But every now and then it's like, maybe we don't cover something like that if we know it's just not going to land with us. But it's hard to predict because, you, you know, you never know when something will, will really appeal to you. We came from a program at Seton Hill where the sort of idea behind the whole program is that there are many genres, but it's one craft, right? Like there's mm-hmm. this book that's that's the title of. And that's the way we approach our our show, too, is that, like, even though there are all these different genres and there are all these different audience expectations, there is one craft behind it all, mm-hmm. whether that's filmmaking or writing or in the overlap of the two there's something you can talk about for all of them. Um, and I think both James and I, it's fortunate that we both have very wide ranging tastes. So even though I have certain like pet genres that are like my sort of core, like I really, really love this. I love honestly just tons of different kinds of movies, tons of different kinds of music and different kinds of video games and different kinds of, like, I like I, re- I really do have a pretty wide palette for that sort of thing. And so I'm able to focus on different, interests of mine and go like well this time i shouldn't be comparing this to this adult fantasy novel if it is a sci-fi thing for children you know like you Mm -hmm. you have to like compartmentalize a little bit and and focus on that one area and think about everything you know about that one specific genre like you were saying uh kw so
2: i agree you know and we try and do that on our show as much as we can Something else I like to do is, like, imagine whether or not it's, you know, for me necessarily. I like to imagine, like, if I was the person, the creative force behind this. That kind of helps me to, like, put myself in the in the mindset of, like, what would I do differently? What could I change within this, you know, what within the framework of what they were trying to do? What possibly could they have done to subvert expectations or to do, you know, something more interesting or surprising? And I think that helps me kind of gauge where I'm at with, like, what I felt like I could, I, I could see myself doing as that, as trying to make that project. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, great.
0: All right. Next week we're continuing our conversation with James and Luke, so stick around for that.
1: Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on
0: Twitter at Carrie Gessner,
1: and you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer.
0: You can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast.
1: You can email us at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pausepop. Pop.